You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Welcome, everybody. This is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and usually improv news stories. But today we're going to rant about dumb stuff that chaps our asses because we care way too much about our favorite movies, TV, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we were raised by rentals. Mike, 2023 season two is almost over. Yes, indeed. It's crazy. I know, it, it really is. People probably say that all the time, like, oh, I can't believe the year's almost over. Oh, I can't believe we, we did so much this year. But I am still truly in awe that not only did we start this podcast, but that we've kept it going for, this is episode 63, and we are wrapping up season two. And I'm pretty proud of what we've created uh, so far. And it's so cool to think about. We have so many ideas yet to go so much stuff we haven't even gotten to yet that it's like i can't believe we've done so much and i feel like we're just getting started oh hell yeah same like this is one of those podcasts like when we first started it i was like man i really hope we can we can at least get a solid year out of this because i know we, we both have extremely busy schedules but the fact that we've been able to keep it going and keep it as exciting as it has been and and as fun for both of us i just i love it i'm, I'm hoping we can continue on for many seasons to come yeah, I completely agree. And after the last episode that came out, our Yule Parish Christmas special with our <laughs> horror host, Santa Claus, which was so much fun. <laughs> oh, God, I had a blast with that one. Oh, that was ridiculous. Oh, we definitely got to bring back Jurgen, the Yule Tide Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I want to get Clancy oh. Brown to do the voice because we keep slipping into like the Mr. Krabs voice. You know? He would be perfect. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's the, was it the Kurgan from Highlander? Come yeah. on. And then fucking uh, Shawshank Redemption, Hadley the guard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't Perfect. need no wife killing Benku to tell me you were the bear shit in the buckwheat. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that you just had that ready. Like, you just off the top of your head were able to quote that. I just keep that in my pocket for when I need it. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> oh, oh man and it's but after i was saying after we did that episode it always just makes me so jazzed when we have fun doing original stories and that was actually our sixth episode that we did in season two and really all together where we did an original story that wasn't initially based on anything else or if it was like most of it was out of our heads you know mm -hmm. And it really gives me confidence that as we go forward with the show and we make some small changes and adjustments as we go, you know, into season uh, three and beyond that I really want to lean more on original storytelling and not focus so much on always mashing up existing properties. Oh, totally uh, agree. The, the, I, I think we have the most fun when we're playing in, the, in our own sandbox. I completely agree. And that's not to say that I don't want to still, you know, go and play in other people's sandboxes because I have some 
awesome ideas for episodes coming up for next year. I know you do too. We've talked mm-hmm. about, you know, a little bit of our schedule and already we're going to come out of the gate with some episodes that are based on some properties from the VHS era that we've been wanting to get to for a while or have recently come up and it's like, oh yeah, put them at the top of the list, you know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Gotta get it done. And that's so much fun to go and play with those toys with Jason Voorhees and Freddie and like teen comedies from the 80s and I want to do more TV also at some point we really haven't done much of that and uh but again as we think about this i realize that the episodes that i think we have the most fun on and the episodes that we get the best feedback from tend to be the original stories so uh, uh, just based on that you know uh kind of making the announcement now that as we go forward we're going to start working original stories into the schedule on a i think probably a regular basis right wouldn't you agree absolutely not just waiting for like Halloween holiday specials, but, you know, having them cycle in there, you know, maybe once a month or once every other month or whatever. Like, I think keeping them in the rotation is going to be a lot of fun. It'll give you and I a chance to use a lot of these ideas that uh, we've had stockpiled in our brains for years, you know, <laughs> right. Scripts well, that... and screenplays and things we never got a chance to write. Not only that, but like, I mean, look at look at what we did with with hot garbage and the Venga bus of horror where it's like, you know, we just we picked a stupid like the stupidest concept. I was talking about a fucking song that I couldn't get out of my head while I was stoned and then thought the lyrics were wrong. And I got on this whole tangent <laughs> where I was like, are they killing people? Why are they running from the Vanga bus? And then you took a fucking dumpster fire meme <laughs> and we told two really fun stories about that. I would love to do those types of challenges again, where it's just like, all right, pick something random, like pick a, pick an eighties cartoon property. How did it go wrong? Like what would happen if it was like, you know, a crime noir or something like just pick a random thing and then tell an original story based on it. Um, like that, or just to be like, hey, I had this story in my back pocket from when we were writing comic books all the time. Let's flesh this out. I would love to do that absolutely regularly, at least like once a month if we could, um, or once every other month because we have so many stories. But there are, you're right, there are so many things of nostalgia of our childhood uh that we've already discussed we're like oh fuck we got a good idea for that one we got to tell it we we've talked about one mr christian slater needs to make a couple appearances on our show (laughs) and uh i could not agree more so we 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 do have stuff in the works so we're going to continue with our normal raised by rentals plan but Hopefully you guys are digging the original stuff as much as we we may or we dig making it Um, because, yeah, we want to do more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have so many story ideas that are like these little snippets that I wrote down in a notebook and I'm like, oh, this is a genius idea. But then like I never went to go and do anything with it. So Mm -hmm. I think this this is an opportunity to do that. And uh, I'm going to put a pin in this just for a second because at the end of the episode or after we have a chance to, to talk a little bit more, I want to go through some facts and figures very similar to what we did at the end of our Ash Saves Christmas episode way back uh, in last December where we went through some statistics about the show, you know, our most downloaded episodes and the genres that we touched on and the properties that we explored because I always think it's fun to kind of go back and look and see what we did, do our year in review and not only is it fun to kind of look back and maybe provide some commentary but then 
it gives us a good idea of like where to go next. Like what have we done or what did we not do enough of, you know, what have we, uh, have we done to death? You know, what horses have we kicked, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but, but it's funny that we're talking about this because, you know, this is actually a rental rant episode for, you know, those of you who see it in your podcast feed now listening to it, because while we're sitting here talking about our plans for writing the coattail of existing IP properties, which we've done all the way back to our first episode, you know, the whole origin of the show was let's talk about these VHS era properties that we love and like come up with our own shit, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's funny how long it took me to realize when you pointed it out that we just do a fanfic podcast (laughs) (laughs) and i was a little bit heartbroken like oh shit (laughs) we totally do oh crap god damn (laughs) (laughs) and the reason is because while it's fun for us to do it it like annoys me when there's so many people in social media and in i'll say sort of like peripheral entertainment and that do that, that they just ride the coattails of other people's intellectual properties or they go for like the easy way out when it comes to content because they don't have original thoughts. Right. Right. A hundred percent agree. One of the things that I can't stand that I see all the time and it's been going on for years. This is nothing new. You know, we're old curmudgeons bitching about shit. <laughs> but uh, man, I can't stand reaction videos on youtube and tiktok you know Mm -hmm. just these guys these people who just listen to a song and then pause it every five seconds to like freak out and have this big over-the-top reaction to what they're listening to or what they're watching and for some reason it's popular i don't understand (laughs) i really don't get it like there there's and i i'm gonna forget his freaking name now there's one guy on TikTok that does something like this with music in particular, but he also, he grew up, I think it was in Kenya that he grew up in. And it was like, he was, he said he was kind of cut off from a lot of like eighties and nineties music growing up. Like he didn't hear a lot of what was considered popular in the West at that time. So like he gets suggestions from his followers, like, Oh, you should try system of a down or, Oh, you should try, you know, Nirvana or, Oh, you should try Metallica. And some of the stuff he's heard, but like he gives it a try and he, he kind of like he vibes with it for me. He's like, OK, all right, I see. And, you know, he talks about it and it's mm-hmm. almost kind of adorable because like you're seeing <laughs> someone witness it for the first time. But he's the only one. The only other time I've watched reaction videos is and I, I hate to, to say this uh, on the air, but and remind people of two girls, one cup because um, oh, I didn't want to see the actual video. <laughs> but I watched the reactions people were having. That was funny, watching people just be like, what are they, ah, ah, start <laughs> like, that was hilarious. But the, uh, you know, the other types of reaction videos that you're talking about, yeah, I fucking hate those. I watched a dude, he was breaking down an Eminem song on TikTok, and, like, literally every line that Eminem said, he was like, okay, so now... It's cool that he said it this way because blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, dude! Like, and it was like every fucking line he would pause it, and I couldn't take it. I'm like, uh, next, I, I got to get out of here. I can't, I can't take that type of content. So the reaction videos irritate the piss out of me. Yeah, and I find that they come up in like my TikTok for you page way too often. Like somehow I get into those algorithms and it drives me crazy. And you're right. Let me just say this too: is like 
I'm talking about hating the game. I'm not talking about hating the players because oh, yeah, I get absolutely. it. I get it. I have no hate for anybody who can find their niche and get an audience and make money. I say, hey, brother, get paid, right? Get paid. hundred fucking you, percent. I got no hate for that. But that doesn't mean I have to enjoy it because I don't. You know? It's it's the same thing like, OK, let, let, let's liken it to something that we've talked about on this show and on the Boogeyman's Closet. It's like the remake craze. Now, both you and I have said there are remakes can be fucking damn good. I am a remake apologist in the sense of like, I genuinely usually like them. There's, there's been far more, I think hits than misses when it came to remakes. The problem is all of Hollywood decided, Oh, that's the way to go for about 10 years in Hollywood. Like, Mm -hmm. so for the first like 10 years of the two thousands, we had just remakes of everything. And it wasn't just movies. It was television shows. It was television shows becoming movies. It was, you know, there were there were like remakes uh, of like old video games becoming new video games. It was just like remake, 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 remake. And while they can be good, it starts to become too samey. Like you're getting too much. So again, it's not the people making these good products that are at fault. Mm-hmm. It's that it's shitty that this trend is a thing that we can't seem to escape. Like there's there's enough room for everyone to play. Yeah, it's like I hate to go for the sort of meta textual clickbait of saying I hate clickbait because that's like the easiest thing to bitch <laughs> about. We have a whole podcast episode bitching about you know, shit that I hate and then to do it ourselves, you know, but (laughs) so instead of, instead of that, to me, it's what I think of in my head is the easy a content. You know, it's this, it's this idea of you could be making something creative and new and original, but instead you're going to react to someone else's original content, or you're going to criticize someone else's original content, or you're going to remake it, or you're going to remix it, or you're going to rehash it, or you're going to, you know, do what we do, which is like, oh, I could have done that way better. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. And that's really what this is all about, because I feel that there is absolutely a line between like legitimate, you know, fanfic people who just love a franchise and want to like contribute to it. And then there's people who who are just riding the coattails of creative people for fast clicks, easy money. And all they do is just, you know, again, they have these over the top crazy reactions or they do this like clickbaity nonsense because they know that you know if they have some hot take or some like you know video with the title of like oh the real secret behind blah 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 you know and it's mm-hmm. and it's this whole concept that kind of drives me crazy again the, the curmudgeon in me that's like make something of your own <laughs> exactly it, it's the and I'm not going to get political here, but but it is the the news effect where you have the news and then you have the talk shows about the news on the news channels where it's not news. It's fucking opinion based on the news. And all they do is just be like, are your kids safe? Well, my opinion is no, but I have no facts to back it up. But here, let me talk to you about it for a half hour. It's the same kind of bullshit. I fucking yeah. hate that stuff. And, and I think it, what it comes down to is that there is a difference between criticism and commentary. Yes. And I think what we're really talking about is the fact that commentary, if it's not coming from the people who are directly involved in making the news or the pop culture, you know, property or whatever, if you're not a part of the team that is putting something out into the world and you're just commenting on it, I don't give a fuck. You're about your <laughs> stupid opinion, you know, because, right. again, I draw the line 
uh, with criticism because I think that criticism in journalism is 100% legitimate. And yes, it is a fine line between one person who is giving me their opinion, but they are giving me facts and figures and reasons and comparisons and quotes, and they're doing research and you know writing an intelligent thought piece about why this movie is better than you think it is. And right. I want to read that, or I want to hear you tell me that on TikTok in a you know one minute video. But it's the same, these people who are on like ESPN talk shows, and all they do is just talk about the game from yesterday all day, 12, 20 hours in a row of just talking about a game that happened that someone else played that we already saw, that other people already talked about. We already saw the breakdown. No one cares anymore. Like, let it go. (laughs) It's like, it's over. Move on, please. (sighs) Oh, God. Well, it's like, and then unfortunately, because of this type of, uh, I guess, I don't want to say society, but this, this just trend of that type of stuff where people gravitate towards stuff that they know, you know, where it's like you try to create original content, but people aren't going to grab onto that because they don't know anything about it. So it doesn't interest them. You need that hook to get them in. And it's like, I remember when Tara and I first started doing conventions together, you know, Tara creates amazing artwork and she creates amazing original characters. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that I bring to conventions is fan art. And I do it for a reason because it sounds Mm -hmm. and it sucks because I have I still have my booklet of all my original characters and all that. And I have comics, uh, you know, with original characters that I've, you know, I've drawn that stuff like that. Those don't sell. The stuff that sells is this wacky picture of Jason Voorhees or this wacky picture. Actually, one of my most my hottest sellers of this past year is the fucking Phantom of the Paradise piece I did with uh, Pikmin's um, Mm -hmm. for the um, the Phantom figure. You know, the uh, God, why can't I think of his name? Oh, it's going to bug me now. I can't think of the actual character's name. Winslow, Winslow Leach. There it is. The picture I did of him uh, for the pack-in poster, I sold that at every convention I've done. I had it online. And it sells like hotcakes. Like, people fucking love that piece. But it's fan art. And it, it it's like, mm-hmm. as much as it makes me happy that people want it, and it makes me happy that they want to hang it up in their house, that's wonderful. It's always an honor to have people want to buy my art. But it always does. It hurts a little bit knowing that I can't, sell my original creations with the same gusto and mm-hmm. i get it i understand because again i'm a collector i am i am a fanboy so i'm gonna be buying those ninja turtles i'm gonna be buying those gi joes you know i might not buy this original new property that i know nothing about you know it, it's the thing we all fall victim to it due to pop culture but it, it sucks that there's not more room for original stuff yeah i i completely agree and i'm sure that you've paid witness to the sort of ugly side of that same concept where you know you are drawing eyeballs to your artwork because you're showing them here's this pop culture character that you love in my funny cartoon style you know come look mm-hmm. at my silly my silly leather face or you know whatever character yep. that you like and at the same time there are people out there who have to resort to like oh look i'm a an attractive woman you know come and look mm-hmm. at my artwork because you know i'm a girl tee and you know and, and not that, that's not the only example but like it's like you have to rely on something else besides your artwork just to get people to give you like the time of day oh 100 like, this is this is something uh, like i remember <laughs> me and tara talk about this all the time because it's frustrating because uh, again you know, she'll post these amazing original pieces of art on Instagram and get a handful of likes. 
then she'll post like a gym selfie and and it'll blow the fuck up and it irritates her because it's like okay i get it like i have boobs but i have this awesome artwork i would like people to pay attention to my awesome artwork but everyone's like boobs you know and it and it sucks but her and i were joking about it because we see it at conventions all the time like there are plenty of girls out there that are like, you know what? It's going to sell. I'm going to wear the low cut top and fuck it. And we've talked to creators that are doing that. They're like, yeah, oh, I'm totally doing it on purpose because it brings the grease balls over. <laughs> they, come <laughs> look, they come and look at the art and they buy stuff. So it's like, hey, again, don't hate the player. But me and Tara laugh about that all the time. I, hell, I told her, I was like, I got boobs. Nobody wants to see them. If I could, <laughs> shit, I'd be using them. I was like, right. I was like, here, let me wear a little little crop top and see what, what that gets me. You know, but shit. But it, it sucks, though, because it is this thing of like you create this thing. You're super proud of it, it whether it be a story or music or, you know, physical like uh, drawings or paintings like, like Tara and I do or even a podcast. You know, like you create these original stories and you want people to be excited and sometimes it's so hard to get the notice because people just gravitate toward what they like. And like I said, we're all guilty of it. Mm-hmm. I know I have my comfort food movies. We've talked about that how many times on this podcast and on the Boogie yep. Closet, you know, where it's like, yeah, sure, I could watch this brand new thing, but I really want to watch the Toxic Avenger again, you know, <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> or like yeah. right now at Christmas time, I'm like, I could totally I'm on vacation. I could totally be watching all this shit that I need to catch up on. But I really want to watch Christmas Vacation for the f- fourth time this year. Or, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. like it's a comfort food thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I watch the same shit over and over again. Like you know, part of the reason why we put the limitation on race rentals to look at properties from the VHS era is because like I don't watch a lot of movies anymore <laughs> and I watch even less TV. So just trying to talk about pop culture in general. I was like, I don't know, man, because if you want to do something that came out in like 2015, like the chances that I actually saw it are pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, but yeah, right. I mean, we started the podcast talking about, you know, Friday the 13th, and that was really what initially was the draw to get people to come and give it a chance. If it was just a couple of guys telling stories to each other, like improving made up bullshit, and no one knew who we were, <laughs> like no one would care. No one would have ever listened, you know? Not at all. <laughs> but instead, we had an audience for that first episode. You know, we had feedback from that first episode. We kept going because of that. I mean, we've never had a giant audience, but there are people out there who listen and let us know. And, you know, it, it keeps me going. And, but like I said, I think we're at the point now where it's like, okay, we kind of did one for like the machine, and now we can do one for us, you know? Exactly. <laughs> I think it's we've like, gone to that. Yeah, you have you have like you have to oscillate between the two. You have to go back and forth. Be like, all right, you know, here here's the it's it's like Spielberg. You always know, said he you did the one movie that he would make the money, and then he would try to do the movie that meant something to him. You yeah. know, and like a lot of I know a lot of musicians do that same thing too, where they're like, you know, we're gonna on this album we're gonna put this cover because we know it's gonna be a radio hit. Like that's what we're gonna do, but it's gonna get the popularity. Then we're gonna get these other songs out there. You know, and it's like it, it's it's a solid marketing plan. Yeah, you do one for the money and then you do like the pet project. I mean, that's just the way the way that it works, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah i mean i don't want to you know beat this dead horse anymore either i just wanted to kind of have a chance to kind of bitch and we haven't done a rental rent in a while so it was like you know what let's just take some time get it off our chest a little bit <laughs> right. um and, and while we're at it let's throw out the fact which you mentioned tara right yeah tara mm-hmm. marie mitravich at uh, tm illustrations and coffin dreams llc go to redpantheon.com there's links up there and you know find her on instagram as well and go put some likes on those original drawings people and go buy some cool clothes from her absolutely yeah, she's got some uh, got some great uh, merchandise with some original artwork on it, some really really cool stuff, uh, you her, know, sweaters her, and yeah, her Christmas stuff, her vintage Christmas stuff. It's all original and it's fucking gorgeous. Like if you're like me and you like those old school like five and dime cardboard cutout Christmas and Halloween decorations, for me that's a big part of my childhood, especially back in the '80s. But you know, they, these date back to like the fucking '50s. Um, she has original designs in that style on clothing and it's, ah, beautiful chef's kiss. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So definitely check out coffindreams.com. That's our plug for this episode. Uh, (laughs) but, but definitely, definitely, uh, Tara deserves it. But at the same time, lots of other cool pop culture stuff available on the Instagram. If you want to go check out, uh, Tara drawns, uh, you know, some other characters that you probably like. So anyway, Mm -hmm. Uh, well, let, let's turn this sort of meta-fictional, meta-textual uh, look at pop culture back on ourselves and talk about our own podcast and, and <laughs> na- navel gaze for a little while. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, yeah, so like I said, we started this way back in uh, 2021 with an episode about uh, Friday the 13th and Jason Voorhees in the snow at Christmas time. Uh, I, I, we never really intended to talk so much about Christmas and Halloween and to focus so much on the holidays, but they re- they really lend well to storytelling. And I like Christmas movies. I like Christmas music and specials. Me you know? too. <laughs> um, so I always thought it was kind of fun that we started with a Christmas episode. We end our seasons with Christmas episodes. We have done a total of technically four Christmas specials all together, all the way from the beginning, starting with that first one, Christmas the 13th. But then in season two, we technically did three. We started our season this time with Ash Saves Christmas uh, last December. And we we typically were starting our seasons with Christmas, but it's easier to just do the end of the year. So for season two, I decided we're going to start and end with Christmas and then we'll sync up, you know, just January to December going forward. So mm-hmm. we did Ash Saves Christmas and then we did our Black Friday episode, which wasn't initially intended to be so focused on Christmas, but we had a lot of Christmas in there. Yeah, yeah, that was I think that was unavoidable because <laughs> <laughs> the whole reason for Black Friday is people are going crazy Christmas shopping. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And then we already mentioned the, the Yule Parish episode with Jurgen the Yuletide Avenger. Uh, <laughs> that, that was a really fun one. So, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy looking back as a nerd who deals with spreadsheets and facts and figures all the time in my day job. I like looking back and seeing like, well, what did we do, you know, in season two and how was it different? Um, so I'm just going to kind of go through a couple of things, you know, and if people are bored, hey, that's fine. Like we already talked about, you know, the stuff that you kind of came here to listen to. So if you want to peace <laughs> out, that's fine with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mentioned earlier that we didn't really do any TV, but the fact is we did zero TV in season two. We had no wow. episodes that were takeoffs of existing television properties. That surprises me only because we we have we've talked about so many. I think that's what I'm getting it confused with because I'm like, 
but I remember talking to you about certain TV shows, but I think that was off the air. Like, Hey, should we do something with this property and not an actual, we're going to do something with this property. Yeah. And we had several that were on the schedule that got bumped and then we just never did them, you know, for one reason or another, because there was some that were like a lot of homework. We had to watch a bunch of episodes. We even had one that we even mentioned. You had mentioned that we were going to do one about the, what is it called? Cops. What was the name of that cartoon? They changed it. It was like Cyber Cops or something. I forget. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was uh, uh, Cops and Crooks. It was. That's um, it. Yeah, but it's like this else. these futuristic like cyborg police officers. And it was a cartoon in the what, 80s, right? Yeah. Central Organization of Police Specialists. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You had even mentioned that in one of your other podcasts that like, oh, we're going to do that one soon. Then we never got back to it. it again, it just kept getting bumped. And there were actually several others. Uh, we did have one episode where we talked about creating a TV show, which was part of our Aliens and Predator franchise. Uh, yep. But we never actually like started with one. So I thought that that was interesting. Um, we started with movies most of the time. So we ended up doing a total of 28 episodes in season two. We did 35 in season one. But the reason that there were so many more is because we did more of our special non-improv episodes. We did nine rental rants and one super gushers in the first season. But we really kind of dialed those back for various reasons this year. We only did two rental rants. Number three would be this one we're doing right now. And then, um, or wait, is this the second one? I, I think I lost. No, this is the second one. We've only did one rental rant all season <laughs> before this one, which is when we talked about toxic uh, fandom way back in oh, yeah. April or something. Um, but we did three super gushers, uh, one of which we had, you know, Sam on with us. Um, but yeah, so we did 23 improvs, which is pretty close to the 25 we did in the first season. You know, so we were we were pretty close with that. We just didn't do as many of the specials. Um, mm-hmm. But out of those 23 improvs, 14 of them were based initially on movie properties. So that's like 60 percent, um, <laughs> <laughs> which again makes sense. We also turned uh stories into movies let me see here how many times did we do that we did it i didn't even count this up right because okay so we turned something into a movie pretty much every time except for i think two we had like one tv and like one comic book and everyone else was just turning it into a movie (laughs) (laughs) so that's something else we could think about for season two maybe maybe we start with stuff that isn't movies and maybe we end with you know, improv improves that aren't movies, you know? Mm -hmm. So something to think about, something to keep in mind. Um, We did six original episodes, like I mentioned, you know, we had our Who's Improv Is Anyway, which was also kind of based on some other properties like Looney Tunes and Monopoly, but it really came out of us just mashing up shit out of our heads. Right. Um, and then All from men- a random spinner wheel. <laughs> right? Yeah, you mentioned uh, the Venga Bus of Death and uh, Hot Garbage, which was our first uh, double feature special. And that was the real breakout one. That was the one that really proved that original content was the way to go. Yeah. Not, not only was it so much fun for us, we got the most positive feedback on both of those episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, just looking at the popularity of episodes based on downloads – so in season two, the Bang of Bus of Death was our top downloaded episode of the whole season. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, the least popular one by downloads was our Centipede, the motion picture, which uh, oh, was, man, that's I, interesting. I, I liked that one. <laughs> Me too. I, thought, I was, I was, I was like, really? Like you, 
honestly, it's usually the rental rants and super gushers that people don't care about as much. Yeah. Uh, in, in season one, it was the have fun storming the castle, the rental rant about like gatekeeping. Um, that was our least popular episode. But yeah, I was like, oh, really, centipede? Oh man, that's that's a bummer. I thought that one was better. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I, I, I liked. I I remember really liking some of the death scenes in that one. Because <laughs> like, I was like, oh, we, we came up with some gnarly stuff. I thought so too. Um, so yeah, we started with a lot of non-horror properties and then turned them into horror a lot, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> now, granted, that might be a little right. bit my, my fault there. Then. <laughs> well, I mean, you're the horror guy. Plus, let's be honest. Like horror is easy from a storytelling perspective for oh, guys like. Yeah. You and I, I think easy in general, but like for you and I, it's even easier because you're a big horror fan. And I just find, well, I'm not as much of a horror aficionado in terms of what I enjoy to watch and read. I find that I really enjoy telling those stories. Yes. Well, um, and that's the thing, because horror stories appeal to like that, that like that base human fear of of death like of what would happen if i was put in this crazy situation not to say that like you know love stories don't appeal to people for like a you know base human instinct reason and things like that but it's just it's a it's a fun sandbox to play in and it's something that Mm -hmm. everyone can relate to even if they're not a horror fan we've all been scared at some point you know so it's it's a it's an easy it it is an easy storytelling device and and that's one of the reasons i love it (laughs) yeah yeah me too um so, yeah, we actually started with a horror property six times, and the the following that, the action and comedy were split neck and neck uh, four times each with, you know, again, the genre of, like, the thing that we started with. Mm-hmm. And then we, end, we ended with horror 15 out of 23. So, again, more than 60%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we pretty much made, like, a bunch of horror movies out of stuff that wasn't all necessarily horror to begin with uh and it's funny funny when you think about it because 15 maybe doesn't seem like a whole lot but that means that we did three action movies three comedies and what i what i classified as two thrillers or you know i guess they're kind of action movies too um but yeah but like those numbers are so much smaller when you think about yeah we did three comedies and 15 horror movies (laughs) (laughs) i mean that that does sound about right (laughs) yeah I think so. And so I don't know that I even really want to change it that much either, because I feel like, again, based on feedback in the audience that we have, that horror is probably a pretty safe bet most of the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's just like, I don't know that it's the easy A, really. I think it's just, it's what people want. So right. let's give it to them. It's what you and I want. It's what people want to hear. But at the same time, it's like, okay, let's let's take a break from horror for yeah. a little while. <laughs> Um, well, I will say my second favorite thing to do. I mean, obviously, I've said many times on this show, many times on my other shows, horror comedy is my absolute favorite genre. That is that is my comfort food movies. I love like I love horror movies that are a little tongue in cheek, a little silly, or even ones that were meant to be scary. But because they're so low budget, they're very silly. Those are that's my favorite go to. So, of course, I'm going to like that. But. I also really love the action comedy. And one of my favorite episodes we did was the sequel to Cobra. Um, I think I had more fun with that than like most of our episodes. Um, It just, there was something about it, maybe because Cobra is such a ridiculous movie and we knew it. But once you added Simbad in the mix, I'm like, (laughs) 
yeah, no, this is going to be fucking great. <laughs> like, and it yes. just stayed hilarious for the whole fucking run. I totally agree. And I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because that was actually going to be my next question. I thought we could kind of wrap up with just talking about our own uh, insights, our own commentary, <laughs> our own commentary on, you know, <laughs> on to what get we even thought more of. meta. Exactly. Our own commentary on like what we thought about the season. Um, Yeah. So setting the originals aside, because I think the originals kind of are above and beyond like the best ones or at least, you know, the most fun. But yeah, I completely agree. I think that Cobra 2, it might take the cake uh, again, other than the originals. I think I hate to like take my own idea and say it was my favorite, but I think that I had the most fun with Hot Garbage. Uh, oh, yeah. But I but I think Vangabusa's death, as again out of the originals, was my favorite one to listen to after the fact. You know, um, both that and and Hot Garbage, I just I had way too much fun with. Like I think they were really those were definitely my favorites of the season. Yeah, and I think that Polly Shore's Thanksgiving Vacation was the weirdest thing we did. <laughs> but I, you know, the funny thing I was gonna say, based on the original properties, like properties that that, uh, or I, I shouldn't say original properties, existing properties, um, based on existing properties, the Polly Shore, th- Polly Shore's Thanksgiving Vacation, and Cobra Two Assignment Miami Beach, may they might be tied for my favorite with close behind them is Mr. Monopoly's neighborhood and return of the living dead teenage wasteland. I had fun with those four from existing properties. Cause I also loved who's improv was it anyway, that, that was such a, a wild ride, but Mr. Monopoly's neighborhood turned out to be one that I was shocked by how fun it became. Yeah. I would like, agree with that. I did not expect it to be that good. No. And it's, it's, it, and it's also because we hit a genre of film that was big when we were kids, but you don't really see it anymore. And that, and that's that like that feel good activism movie where it's mm-hmm. like you have a group of people who are being, you know, systemically preyed upon or kept down or but by like, you know, whether it be like the evil mayor or the rich guy in town like that or the bad corporation, there's always something. But because that shit's real, like that shit actually happens. Mm-hmm. But we were able to take that and do one of those feel good movies that you saw again and again and again in the 90s. You know, it was like, you know, we, we got to save the youth center, you know, those types of movies. And it was a lot of fun. Like and we did that on a monopoly. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it always blows my mind. Yeah, again, I agree. I agree entirely. I thought as soon as we hit on that idea of like, yeah, the, you know, social commentary comedy, it was a genre I had completely forgotten about. Mm Because like you said, you just don't really seem to see it anymore. And that became the linchpin. That was the hook that that made that work. And in much the same way when we were doing the Yule Parish episode last time. We were having a lot of fun with the characters and with Jurgen, but at the same time, the story was kind of meandering until the evil twin twist. Yes. And it, it gave us the hook that said, yes, now we know this character's motivation and their backstory. You need that pin, that linchpin. It has to happen. Yeah, I agree. So now I'll ask you, what do you think was the worst episode we did? Let's do the hot take. Okay. Um. Okay. As far as improv, because I, I feel like, I feel like we kind of floundered a bit on the Bustin makes me feel good, but that was more of a super gusher. So mm-hmm. just cause we went into it with this hot take of like, you know, you said Ghostbusters two was better. I said Ghostbusters one was better. And then we watched them and we both kind of came out with the same agreement. And we're like, yeah. well, we can't really do what we planned. So let's just talk about Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, I, I think our, our worst improv one might've been Spider-Man 95. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I won't argue with that. I think that that one, it, it came out okay, but it was tough. It yeah. Was, yeah. We were kind of all over the place. And I, that one to me was more of like a fan cast and we should have just left it at that and maybe not tried to come up with the story. You know? <laughs> right. Um, I will agree. I think Bustin makes me feel good was I'll say it was the probably the most inconsequential episode. It was the one that we probably didn't even need to put out. But yeah. I don't think it was bad. It was a fun conversation. Honestly, kind of like oh, what yeah. we're having right now. Like the fun conversation we're having right now is like, yeah, this is this isn't like groundbreaking stuff, everybody. I hope you're still listening to us. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just rant and rave and talk about ourselves. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. We we, we wanted to do something, so we did. Um, yeah. I think the League of Extraordinary Arnie's was the least successful episode. I forgot about that one. Yeah, now I'm yeah. looking at the list right now. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I'll put Spider-Man below that one because it, it was one of those things where when we looked at the characters of, what was it, Kimball from Kindergarten Cop? Yeah, Kimball from Kindergarten was, Cop and... and uh, God, Tasker, Trasker, what was his name from True Lies? Harry something. something. Like, yeah, Harry Tasker, I think. When we looked at those two characters, we were like, oh yeah, this will totally work together. And we didn't really think about a story. We just thought about like how easy it would be easy it would be to connect with like government spy and undercover cop. Like, sure, those go together like peanut butter and jelly. We can do yeah, that. The no-brainer. And, then we started working on the story and it was like, Oh God, where are we going with this? Like why? It wasn't until we thought of Danny DeVito <laughs> that it was like, okay, we have something to work yeah. with, but yeah. it was, it was still pretty rough. <laughs> it was, it was Danny DeVito was the hook and the penguin from Batman returns kind of saved it, kind of righted the ship a little bit. Yeah. But barely, we took on a lot of water <laughs> to stretch yeah. the metaphor, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that was probably the closest we ever came to just, completely crashing and burning and failing miserably and i remember we talked about that after the fact and the lesson that we learned there was actually part of the reason why some of our tv show episodes ended up getting bumped was because we were like oh well it's such an obvious idea put these two characters together and mash them up and it'll be fun until we did that and then we realized the problem is that yeah these two characters would work really well together but the fact that they exist in the same story doesn't give us any idea of what the story is like what's the plot what right. do they do you know it's exactly. when you when you take something ridiculous like having you know Polly Shore be in a Thanksgiving movie that immediately tells me oh we're gonna have all these antics we're gonna do this and this and this and it's like we, there were so many we didn't even put into the episode that I kept thinking about you yep. know but when you take two characters that are really similar and again Yes, in real life, they would have worked well together, but the story's boring. It's the, it's the action movie of the, of, you know, sorry, the story's boring. It's like a Law and Order episode. Like, so what? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It it just, it didn't, it, it didn't go anywhere. And unfortunately, it was one of those episodes where we still, we had a limited amount of time to work with it. Mm -hmm. uh, we knew that we were like coming up against a clock. Like I had to go to work and it was just like, fuck, we, we really, we should have let that one cook a little longer. While this is all improv, we try not to think about the stories ahead of time too much because we don't want to, you know, to lean on a prefabricated story. We want to be able to, like, come up with the concept and then just be like, all right, don't look at it again until it's time to record. But I feel like sometimes we might have to look at it for a few more minutes and just be like, is this something we truly want to do? 
Yeah, I, I agree. And again, that's another reason why we bumped things off the schedule, because we had built the schedule of like, let's go through our list that we made together of all the ideas we had and they just kind of stacked them by priority of like, which ones are the most fun we want to get to first and then everything else kind of after that. And we'll line up the holidays based on the calendar, blah, 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 blah. But then, yeah, as we go along, it's like sometimes there's episodes on the schedule that I just don't want to do. Like it sounded fun when we were just bullshitting months ago, but then when it comes time to actually go and watch some movies for homework and think about it, I realized that like, I don't have anything to say about these characters. Right. Yeah. I, th I think when push comes to shove, we can make a story about anything. And mm -hmm. we've proven that with our improv games, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's something I want to put out for people to listen to, you know? Right. And and it's like, well, like, and to take another, uh, take another example of like where we, we didn't know what we were going to do. And it turned out amazing is Ernest goes to slasher camp where our sequel to mm -hmm. slasher camp, we, we knew kind of ahead of time, like, okay, Freddie and Jason now have this summer camp. We know that. And then, you know, like when the idea got tossed around of like, Hey, Ernest should, should go to the camp. It was like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. We're going to have Ern Ernest and Freddie and Jason and shit's going to get wild. So we had no idea what to do other than that going in. And then we were able to work in Ash. We were able to work in Chucky and Ghostface. And like, we just had this wacky fucking ride with like no, you know, no prep work ahead of time. So it's one of those things where we could, we can mash properties together and have a lot of fun with it. Like who would have thought Freddie and Jason plus Ernest. And yeah. that, that, that's going to be good. And it was fun as hell. So you, yep. you'd assume like, hey, these two similar Arnie's, that's going to work great together. And I was like, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I want to say, too, I think we need to be more careful with whodunit stories also, because we did the submitted for the approval of the Breakfast Club and we did Black Friday yeah. and we did Yule Parish and they were all whodunits. And you and I had to approach all three of them in different ways. And all three of those episodes, while I like all three of them, they all have these sections in the middle where it's like we're spinning our wheels for 10 minutes because we don't want to reveal what our idea is for who the killer is supposed to be because we don't plan it out ahead of time. And it's like I have yep. an idea and you have an idea and then we end up like – it's like we're fighting each other to tell the story because I want my character to be positioned to be the killer or the hero. And you want your mm -hmm. character to be positioned. And it's like we're smashing them together because we're trying not to give it away. So right. that's something that, I, that's, that we need to rethink in the future. That if we do another whodunit, we need to like logistically think about like, let's plan ahead. Like, yes, we don't have to plan the story, but like let's decide maybe even like we did with um, – like we do with Black Friday, where it's like, okay, start the story and then go off to the side and agree what we're going to do and then come back, right. you know, a See, little bit of kayfabe. I think that's probably the best way to do it because we were still able to surprise each other throughout the run of Black Friday. And then, yeah, when we hit that point, like I, I, we, we were both on the same page of like we got to figure out who the killer is. We got to talk about that. So like when we paused the episode to go and talk about that for a moment, it was like, yeah, we, we wound up on very similar pages with the killer, but it was like, if we had to just kept spinning our wheels, the episode would have fell apart. So we, mm -hmm. we absolutely have to make sure that we, we do that. Like we go into it with the knowledge of at some point in this episode, we are going to pause, talk for five minutes, come to an agreement and continue the story. <laughs>
Yeah. And that's kind of what happened with the Breakfast Club episode, too. Like, we literally ran out of time and had to, you know, kind of revisit it because it was like, shit, like, I don't know, man. We're just we're wasting time, like, fucking around. Right. You know? we, we need to figure this out now. So. Yeah, it, it, that can. And that's one of the, the hard parts about the nature of this show. You know, when when you're when you're doing a show where it is improv, like true improv, you know, and you're trying to still stick to a timetable it can be tough. It's, it's, it's definitely a challenge more often than not. I agree. Sometimes the time constraint is a huge part of what influences the episode. And we don't really talk about that that much. I mean, there've been some times when it's been like, Oh shit, I got to go to work. And that ends up in the final edit, that comment that you make because Mm -hmm. you work nights after we record a lot. But yeah, there's actually been a lot of times when the fact that the clock is ticking makes us you know we're not giving it away to the audience but we're either texting each other or making comments on the side of like okay man we got to wrap this up you know and and that kind of informs what happens um but yeah I, i think most of the time when we get to that point where we're running too long then something has gone wrong right we failed somewhere in the story that we can't find that point in the story where it's like oh it's all downhill from here like oh yeah we nailed it we nailed the the climax and now it's all gravy yeah well it's it's that hook it's that hook that you talk about like like when we we again i'm going to go back to cobra too just because that's i think my i think that might be my favorite uh improv improve episode of the year um go back to that one we went into it with no knowledge of what we were going to do for the sequel other than a genre switch we had discussed like let's do a genre switch and and we were talking Mm -hmm. about making it a comedy since you know it was the it was the early 90s and we were taking all these like you know big action stars and doing cutesy comedy movies with them so why not it made sense um but the hook again the hook was once we talked about him protecting the president's daughter and you had Sinbad be the CIA agent. It was like we we had like that is it. We have our duo. It's now a buddy cop movie, and it's yeah. fucking great. Like and like some and and then literally everything after that, every idea was gravy. We were just mm-hmm. like spitballing funny ass jokes after joke after joke. And yeah. I had so much. Fun. I've listened to that episode. God, I've probably listened to it like six times this year. Like it's one of my those episodes I'll throw on in the background when I'm drawing just because I Mm -hmm. always laugh. And it's silly laughing at your own jokes. I know. But God, I was cracking up at our fucking jokes. Well, Um, that's a testament to how successful it was because we can enjoy it, too. It's like years ago when I was in this band and I never wrote any of the music. I would write the lyrics and do the vocals, but I never wrote any of the music and I can't write music. And I just really enjoyed the music that my bandmates were writing. And I just loved being a part of that creative process. And I would listen to my own CDs all the time for years. And I still do occasionally because I just enjoy the music. And I I used to always say that if I wasn't in the band, I would have been their biggest fan because Mm -hmm. I just loved it. And I'm glad that I got a chance to be a part of that. And so I think I think it's cool when we go back and listen to our own episodes. And to me, it's not necessarily navel gazing. Sometimes I'm learning and I'm researching, you know, how to improve future episodes. But a lot of times it's like, you know what? Yeah, I want to go back and hang out with Marion Cobretti again. Like that was that was fun. You know, (laughs) right. (laughs) i love that his name is marion yeah and i'll say too that that episode also had my favorite thumbnail art of the whole season (laughs) oh god yes 
With Sinbad peeking around the palm tree. Yeah. I mean, it was just really terrible Photoshop because I, I had to find these pictures online and then they both had like different color schemes. And, you know, <laughs> uh, the picture of Stallone was like really saturated red and the picture of Sinbad was really low res that I had to find off of a movie poster because there was other shit on like the DVD cover that I couldn't like easily cut out. And I'm not good with like Photoshop. So I was like, the fact that it was so terribly Photoshopped, I thought was perfect for like the era that the movie would have come out in. Right. <laughs> it was it, just seeing Sinbad poking up a behind a palm tree. Dude, I was sitting here at like one in the morning finishing that, just giggling hysterically. <laughs> Dude, you sent me the image. You sent me the thumbnail when I was at work. And so I, I get the text, I open it up, and I see that thumbnail staring back at me, and I fucking snorted. Like, I could not stop laughing. Because, <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous to see this pissed-off, badass Stallone with smiling Sinbad peeking out behind. I fucking lost it. It's so good. But, yeah, I, I definitely would say that's one of the best thumbnails we've had this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, man, I really appreciate it. I I know it's fresh, but I also really, really love the drawing you did of Jurgen the Yuletide Adventure. Oh, when you sent that <laughs> over... You. I was just like, oh, fuck yeah, dude, the color scheme and the red and the blood and how, like, thick he was. I was like, oh, this is so perfect. I was just like, that's what I was picturing when we were talking about Jurgen. I'm like, he's like this giant beefcake. <laughs> like, oh, man, I had so much fun drawing that. But and now I feel like I, I want to do more with Jurgen. Uh, going forward, like, I feel like next year I might make little Jurgen Christmas ornaments. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome but anyway our own christmas monster <laughs> yeah oh he's definitely coming back next year we gotta find some way to work him in and oh, uh, yeah. and like maybe we'll mash him up with somebody else's property <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that'd be awesome that would um, be fun but anyway man i appreciate you going down this uh little uh memory lane with me uh going through and looking back at some of these it's a lot of fun yeah it's navel gazing it's meta it's like inward looking and you know we're doing exact same thing that we were bitching about other people doing and just reacting to stuff but you know whatever that's kind of the whole point of the episode is talking about how sometimes the shit can piss me off but there's ways to do it i think that are good there's ways to and add something to you know, other people's uh, properties, add something to the fan community while at the same time using it as a springboard to do something on our own. So, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Season two has been a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to the next year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I am. I'm excited to see what we can pull off in the future. And, um, you know, I, I, I do have a few a few properties. I still really hope we can get to. But we have that massive list of things. And uh, I can't wait to tell more original stories, and I definitely can't wait to have more uh, improv-style games like Whose Improv Is It Anyway and our <laughs> yeah. our Yule Parish episode. I, I The tense nervousness of those episodes, oh, it's so terrifying, but it's so exhilarating. Like, it's just like, oh, God, what's going to happen next? <laughs> like, yes. It's so much I fun. Know. Yeah, I agree. I definitely want to do more of those. And I like mixing it up. Uh, I think the next time, you know, we got it. Yeah, we'll change the rules. You know, the first time we picked random entries out of various categories. And then we had Santa Claus come on and surprise <laughs> us with, you know, genre twists and tropes and things. And so, yeah, next time we'll do something else. Maybe we'll have another guest on who can who can come on and, and be our host and, you know, give us some ideas or, you know, feed us twists and turns or whatever. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're interested in that, like let us know because it, it should be a lot of fun but yeah anyway 
thanks again for tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. Don't forget to check us out on all the socials at Raised by Rentals and at Red Pantheon and visit us at RaisedByRentals.com and of course RadPantheon.com for all of our friends, all of our Rad Pantheon teammates uh, who make rad stuff. And we are here to spread the word about cool stuff like Coffin Dreams and the Boogeyman's Closet. And so it's come to this, the Simpsons Family Podcast and Count Creepyhead Saturday Morning Monster Mash and Neon Fantastic. And what else? Comics Boost, Heretic, Heretic Party. Party. Yep. Yeah, let's not forget them. Pickman's Vinyls, Jerry's Closet, the Western New York Horror Crew, Joe Blazo, Mealy Monsterland, M.A. LeMay's artwork, Mike McCoy's special effects and makeup, Justin Von Strasberg's solo music. Um, what else is there? Uh, ground Sweat, Pissing Match. So, yeah, I, I'm sure that I forgot something. It's a huge list of cool stuff. If I forgot you, I'm sorry. Horrified Chicken. I'm hoping you guys make a comeback sometime soon. But uh, other than that, anything else, Mike? Uh, well, I'm just going to take the time now to say, the, say this here, because I, I, I don't think it will launch until January. But the duo behind Pikmin's, me and Josh Hibbard, uh, have cooked up a little podcast that will be coming soon to the uh, the Rad Pantheon. So, yes, I will be doing a fourth fucking podcast. If you guys aren't sick of hearing my voice by now, you might be after that one. But, yeah, we will have something coming. We recorded the uh, first episode last night. And let's just say I laughed my ass off th- through the recording and then listening back to the recording. So I really hope everyone digs it. I'm going to try to get it out before Christmas if I can, but I don't think that's going to happen. So by the time you hear this, just keep your eyes peeled to the Rad Pantheon Network and you will see it pop up. Awesome. Yeah, I am super looking forward to that. You gave me a little uh, preview, a little explanation before we started recording, <laughs> and I was already cracking up just thinking about it. So I cannot wait. And yes, season three of the Razor Rentals coming up 2024. We're going to have special guests. We're going to have non-horror episodes. We're going to have more original content. We're going to have board games. It's going to be awesome. Everyone stick around. Thanks for listening to us rant and rave about ourselves for so long. And with that, I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we have to return some videotapes. Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support rad stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com. And 100% more Christian Slater. <laughs> 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 <laughs>